And good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baghurst, joined this morning by Jason Hawkins. He's the general manager of OKC Energy FC. Jason, thank you very much for joining me. If you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit of your story and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, really. So I'm, I'm kind of a lifelong Oklahoma City guy, um, which is an important piece to me in, inside of my journey. Uh, and for a long time was really over in the business side of the world, but had always I mean, I've played soccer since I was three, and so it was always kind of my my passion sport. Um, really, it started back when the, the Los Angeles Olympics were here. It was kind of my first big passion moment with it. I remember that. When Brazil played Germany, and uh, so that I got to go live to that with, with my parents as we drove up to Washington. And I, that was the first time I really kind of experienced, you know, what true raving fans are. and not. So fell in love with the game at that side. Uh, played up through college, uh, but again at a, a local university here, an NAI school, uh, Oklahoma City University. Uh, but while I was in that, kind of got into the coaching side uh, at first, like many, to you know, kind of make some side money, uh, but really fell in love with with the coaching side of things. Uh, and so was in all kinds of, of youth spaces and whatnot for a long time. Uh, but because I was pretty good inside the boardroom as well. I moved over to the state association and started doing more governing body type stuff, coaching education, um, helping communities grow out programs and, and those types of things. Um, and in the middle of, of being kind of a successful uh, banker, met uh, a couple of the owners uh, who ended up bringing the team through some, some leadership classes and leadership programs that we were in together. And so got the call when they decided to, to start the first professional soccer team or, or start uh, the current professional soccer team here in Oklahoma City and was asked to come on board and, and run it. So really did never know if I would get to be in professional soccer because wasn't looking at leaving Oklahoma City, uh, but definitely always stayed connected with it. And that's what I always kind of tell people, stay stay close to your passions. You may not be able to always even create all those opportunities like people tell you sometimes, depending on the parameters you set. Uh, but as, as long as you keep connected, you never know what may fall into place. It's an interesting tale because not something that you kind of designed. Here's my 10-year plan, et cetera, et cetera. But you put yourself in the right positions to take advantage when the opportunity arose. The term general manager is an interesting one across sports. And so I, I'm curious, in your world, what does general manager mean? What are your roles and responsibilities? I, absolutely. Um, so I was the, the first soccer employee hired on. Uh, so we already had a sports business uh, with the, the professional hockey team here. Uh, so a lot of the business side of that was was built out when you talk about ticket sales and marketing and, and those types of pieces. Uh, but we didn't have a, a soccer team. So I was the first soccer team or soccer employee to, to be hired. So in the very beginning, uh, it really was to run the technical side. So we didn't have a head coach yet at that point. We didn't have a coaching staff, didn't have any players. Uh, literally, we, were, we, we had a brand and that was it. Uh, so it was in the first, you know, two years, I would say, it was really the assembly of that uh, first and putting the staff together uh, and then mm -hmm. us out the, the processes, the rosters, uh, and, and just what Oklahoma City energy was to be between the lines. Uh, had a great, great staff in place at that point. Uh, and so really kind of moved back over to a lot more of the community side uh, because we recognize that we have to be, uh, you, you know, not just successful on the field, but we're really a team. And this comes from our ownership. Uh, we're the community's team. We're just there to be stewards of it. So spent a lot of time uh, really out in, in kind of the community development 
philanthropic side and, and with the networking and, and businessing uh, business side and trying to kind of bring some of that soccer culture over to our business side of the office. Uh, and then, you know, ro- roll forward as happens in, in pro sports, we had a coaching change. Uh, and so in, inside of that coaching change kind of, uh, you know, bopped back into the technical side uh, for a bit. And so it really is, you know, I've always tried to be that guy who the first place just puts somebody even better than me into a particular area who knows a lot more than me about it, uh, but tries to support them, make sure they understand our culture, uh, and, and most importantly, just remove roadblocks for them. Uh, so really, it's, it's a lot of, of navigating and helping them plan how to get their area or what they're trying to work on inside the, the business or the team uh, to be successful. So very much a facilitator of helping other people do their jobs well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you pardon the expression, I don't know where this expression came from. Now I'm going to have to Google it. The, the buck kind of stops with you, though, right? Where, you know, when we're talking about coaching decisions and, and ticket sales and, and all these things, you're the, you're the one that's responsible at the end of the day. Yeah, I, again, it's we've we've had different designs and structures inside of even our organization on times. Um, so, like if you look at our our current structure, and again, we we just brought on a new coach here in the off season, uh, and, and so I'm I'm primarily focused on the technical side. I'm still a resource to the business side, but our chief operating officer kind of runs the the business side right now. It's marketing, ticket sales, and whatnot. Um, but and then we roll directly up to we're we're pretty flat that we roll up to our ownership. Uh, now we have a pr- pretty close ownership um, who, who's really close to the business as well, all lo- local uh, folks here as well, and and they have not just a passion for it, but they're a, they're very roll your sleeves up type as well. Um, and so that's again we've we've kind of molded and bobbed depending upon what the organization needed, and I'll say even just most importantly, usually where our strengths and weaknesses maybe were inside the organization at a time too. So sometimes sometimes you can kind of just get out of the way and let things roll and you can even make things worse if you're in the way. Uh, but then sometimes they need that assistance and that, that guidance and that help. But yeah, we, we do take a lot of pride at the same time to say, I mean, one, one of my favorite sayings all the time that I tell people is that, you know, when the accolades are coming, I try and lead from the back, but then when the arrows are flying, I try and lead from the front. It's great. Now looking at, at you know, hiring and firing, that, that's gotta be a difficult thing to do. First off, let me ask you, when, when you're looking at hiring a coach, you obviously just did that, as you mentioned. What are you looking for? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a couple of, couple of different things. And again, even inside the, the evolution of a club, um, you know, the, the club needs different things at different times as it grows. Um, but first and foremost for us is a cultural fit to the organization uh, and a cultural fit to, to our city. Uh, and so that's that's a very big, big piece to us. Uh, so the, the way that we like to lead, the way that we believe in, in going about our business, first and foremost, they have to fit inside of that. Mm-hmm. I, even though in the USL's terms, we're, we're a pretty aged club, you know, at, at seven years old, relatively speaking, as a as a soccer club right now, we're even still building out what an Oklahoma City energy team uh, looks like. That's a, a discussion we've had each time we we. Uh, have gone through that coaching search of, you know, are you looking for somebody to just fit, fit the system and make it look like you want it to, mm-hmm. or are you looking for somebody to help design and, and implement and create what that system and style and, and all those types of things are. And, and I would certainly say we're, we're still in that stage that 
I define us as pretty young. Um, and so we're really, we, we look for those people to be able to help implement and create what that will look like 10, 12, 15, 20 years from now. Um, we, we certainly have some, you know, in professional sports and, and even obviously in high level college athletics, yeah, winning, um, it's very important as well. Uh, that's just kind of part of the, the, the nature of it and part of the DNA right. of the culture. But we, we do try and do that in, in terms of sustained, su- sustained success, not just a, you know, one shot type of thing. When you, the, the hiring can be the fun part, bringing in somebody new and, and somebody who you have a lot of hope for. At the same time, sometimes you have to let people go. And, and what is that experience like for you? I'm sure it's not a, a fun one. No, I mean, you, you always obviously get, get close and you're in the trenches with, with people a lot. And you've also seen a lot of times uh, the things that they've tried to do. So sometimes, many times, most times, it's not for a lack of effort, mm. um, you know, and, and whatnot. What I'll say is I'm very fortunate. I've got a very supportive ownership group, too. Uh, so they, they kind of take on that same mantra so they don't leave me out to dry in those situations. They're not only involved in, in the decision-making process of it, absolutely, but, I mean, they're, they're involved all the way out in, you know, even communication processes and things like that. Um, we, we try and function very much as a, as a united front on that. Um, and then, I, you know, I'll also say I think uh, we, we try and be open and honest with people. Um, and, and usually when we've gotten to that stage, uh, it, it's not a surprise really either per se. I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've been through many things and, and people know kind of what some expected results or needed results are and whatnot. Um, and obviously those haven't, haven't come about. Uh, you still have a decision to make at that point if you then want to make a change or not. Uh, but it's not just, you know, out of the blue, out of the blind. When you, when you look at, and by the way, if you're watching and have a question for Jason, put it in your chat box and, and we'll get, to, get it to him. If you're looking at kind of your day-to-day responsibilities, what would a normal outside of COVID-19 day look like for you if anybody's looking to, to kind of be a general manager like you are? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I say two things in, inside of our business. Number one, usually our entire calendars revolve off the next game and then you work your way backwards. Um, and, and so whether that's what the players are trying to do on the field, what we need to be trying to prep around the organization, Again, that's the time that obviously players become uh, focused on one thing and one thing only, which is is the job to get done on the field. Uh, and so, a lot of a lot of times, that's just scheduling and coordinating. Um, a, a lot of time spent out in the public eye as well. Uh, so again, a, you're, you're still very much a face and a networker, um, and sometimes you're more available than the technical staff can be. Um, I, I sometimes tell people it was, it was obvious when I got into sports that it was a lot sexier to be in sports because the same lessons that people asked me about uh, seven years or 10 years ago when I was a banker, uh, I, I prob- probably would have given many of the same lessons. Uh, but for some reason, it's a lot cooler to listen to me tell a story about it now that I'm inside of sports and give the same lesson. And so as as you go through that, um, you know, the, the athletes are always the most popular coaches are the next. And then as the GM, you kind of sit as that next face of the organization uh, from from that team side. Uh, we definitely try and kind of divide some of those tasks out. One of the things I've always when I talk about, you know, lead from the front, lead from the back is I try and keep the coaches in, in a positive light in the, the, the fans' eyes and the community's eyes uh, because they catch a lot of heat anyways. It's a, it's a tough, tough gig, right? Yeah, right. 
So, so when things are tough, I try and make those any of those things that have to be negative messages. Maybe it's something with a, that's going to be unpopular with a player decision. Maybe it's just results. Uh, th- those sit over with me. And then when the times are good, let them be out front, mm-hmm. get boosted back up to an even keel. Because uh, it, it can take a big emotional toll on them as well. And, and you've got to have them all in all the time. And I, I imagine it can take an emotional toll on you as well. Uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. How, how do you deal with that? There's a lot of pressure there. Uh, there, there is. Um, I mean, you, you try and find your releases, uh, but we, we try and talk a lot about not living in the highs or the lows and being very process oriented and, and making sure that, that if we fail at something uh, or we don't succeed at it, that it wasn't for lack of going through the process and carrying out in the way that we thought that it was supposed to be done. Um, so again, a lot of times in, in analysis, um, but no, you do, I mean, you, you do take a lot of that stuff personally and you, you try and walk away from it and, and, and find some level of release. Uh, but that's probably the, the toughest part of it. I mean, old, old, do you have specific things you do to kind of get away from it and, and get that release? And yeah, for me again, I'll, you know, I've, I've, I've certainly got a few folks, um, that are, are, are mentors or friends, if you want to call it that. Um, but that, that can understand it as well, you know, that have, have lived in those spaces. Uh, for me, many times it's, it's trying to find some level of family time um, and, and refocus myself uh, at that stage. Uh, and then obviously you can, again, I think sometimes you just have to take that slight break and walk away um, to recognize that you've, you have to do that to be better coming out the other side. And that doesn't mean you get to take a two-week vacation, uh, but if, if you have to take that that psychology day to be better on the Tuesday because the Monday, if you don't take it, you're going to be terrible, uh, but you got to be open and honest with the staff and you got to make sure things are taken care of. Uh, same thing, you know, a lot of our guys, we, we do the same thing with our players and coaches. Again, they're away from their families and things like that. Many times you're balancing some of those to some, maybe go, this guy does need a little break here. This guy does need three days back with his family. And yes, some will look at that and go, Oh, there's a big game here or, but you, you have to look at how much you're going to need him for the course of the entire season, not just specific, you know, to that one game or that, that one day. Mm. So if you, if you look at recruiting in college, there's specific rules about that. If you look at high schools, there's very specific rules about that. When we get to the professional level, um, there are rules, but at the same time, you're a little bit more free to go get who you want. What what is the process for finding players in your situation and ensuring you get the best uh, the best player for your team? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I think it comes down to three things. A lot of it, um, we're trying to do a lot of that not at not at the last minute, so always knowing what the next needs are. Um, if I'm honest and real in, inside the world of soccer, uh, because a lot of that's international, because the country is a big place, and, and because budgets are what they are, a lot of that. Um, in the, the initial stages is all video. Now the, the access to players and, and their clips and their games inside the professional level, uh, you know, we have tools that, again, you, you give me a name and I can get already broken down clips on that player for the last 10 years from their last three teams all inside that, that platform. So we have a lot of access from that side. Um, you know, for certain levels of players, we then say, gosh, if we're going to invest this much or if it's a, we're, we're still questionable on it, we, we want the eye test to be there and then we'll try and do some live scouting on it. 
but the real world is probably this part B of that is just trying to use our network out there who has connections, you know, inside the team they're in or teams that they've been at, whether those are our teammates, coaches, things like that. Because uh, even a lot of times you can see what you need to see about the player on the field. Uh, what you don't see is what they're like off the field, in the locker room, what kind of teammate they are, and are, are they going to fit the culture. So do you have specific strategies for that side? Because as you said, that's that could be in many ways more important than what you see in your video analysis. Uh, again, again, a lot of it you 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 try and you know get to get a feel for the player your, yourself in terms of contact. Like again, a lot of times that's not even an in person. That's that's phone and those types of things. Uh, but the the world does become pretty small too um, if you start to look back at somebody's track record and history. Uh, that you can we can usually find you know coaches or players and things like that that have that have been around them that are also trusted sources. Not that they've been in the club but they know who we are as people and how we like to operate and, and they'll, they'll shoot us straight. Uh, which is, which is we, we always in the opposite side, try and return that favor because we found obviously you, you, you burn somebody by unloading someone uh, just to get rid of them. That's right. it's very short sighted. So it's a, it's off the field. It's a, it's a pretty good community of, of coaches and, and whatnot. Uh, Cause for the most part, they all want good guys inside the game as well. We all want the game to grow through that. Mm. And, and actually, that's a good segue because growing the game is, is something I was interested in. We talked before we started this interview about kind of the involvement of the club in the community and, and developing growth in the area that you that you live and work in. And, and that's important, not only from a, hey, let's grow the sport, but we can grow local homegrown talent, which saves us from going to Spain to try to pick up some person we may have heard of. Absolutely. It's a, you know, that, that it's a, it takes a very long view to that. And we're, we're right. way, way down at the beginning of the grassroots of that. We've had some, some local, certainly local players that are in, um, you know, you continue to, to, to try and find that next true superstar. Um, the reality as a USL team is that if it's the high enough level player, uh, then they're probably even going beyond us in, in the beginning of their career, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, two kids from our local market who were dropped drafted in the top 10 of the MLS last year. Uh, you know, one of them, Notre Dame kid, uh, who's, who's kind of the highlight for Orlando city in their, in their draft side. But again, we hope to maybe see those guys one day in their career, but at the same time, actually for their career, we maybe don't want to ever see them either. Uh, they're definitely changing the complexion of what people think about of the types of players that can come out of Oklahoma city. Um, biggest thing we work through and that we're very, very prideful in is really changing the perception of, of what our community is. Um, and maybe right now we don't get the local player, but we're continuing to transport people into Oklahoma City and keep them here and make them Oklahomans. And what we found is now those guys, as they leave their playing career, are now out coaching in our youth clubs and things like that and are raising that level and also creating that connection. Um, the other is we we do work pretty hard um, at at trying to grow the inner city game, which if anybody talks about U.S. soccer and finding that hidden talent, and especially if you want to talk about Hispanic markets and things like that, um, you know, th- there's actually, a, I mean, we're 51% inside our inner city schools uh, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. We've built 14 futsal courts in the inner city on uh, the last year, which rivals anything any major league soccer team has done uh, through, through the foundation. Um, 
Uh, one of our owners has another philanthropic where he rebuilds inner city public fields. Um, so he's done, I'll get the number wrong, but I'm gonna call it 40, 40 I think in the last four or five years, uh, fields that have been put in place. And then we're wrapping and programming and working with police athletic league and some of those types of things really to find that kid who, if there's a really talented kid at the top local club right now, we're going to hear about him and we're going to see him. Um, either they've found him already and then they're investing in him in the sense that maybe if he can't afford or he is a, he's a pay to play kid, uh, but he happens to have those resources. Those, those kids aren't hard to find. They'll come, they'll show us though, you know, they're, in in the big high schools as well it's that other kid who never really gets seen at fifth and so i tell a story we went in to do a soccer ball drop this is probably a year ago and we took a couple of players with us and i do a big deal where we bring a couple of kids up and do some street juggling and i can always tell who the really good players are going to be because when i start to call out to the crowd the kids will let me know because they'll chant this one kid's name right so they bring up these two kids and i mean again these were fifth graders uh who play no form organized soccer outside of police athletic league, which is an eight week league right now. Mm-hmm. And they're up with our pros, just freestyle juggling. Like it's nothing else. Um, they've got a long ways to go and learn to team and, and all kinds of pieces of it. But it's, I, I tell them every day, I said, guys, ultimately one of my dreams as a general manager, because my job is to help find players is that it's one of you kids that I found right here. Mm-hmm you down the path and ultimately you are in the starting 11 for us there is no better strike i could if i could buy that i would buy it believe me uh, but but you can't and so but we do try and put a lot of time effort and, and faith inside of that that system uh, but we also ultimately really believe we know the percentage is small again that's one in you know the one million kids or whatever right um, but we know what's happening positively with those other kids in terms of graduation rates, GPAs in school, which is, is really, for me, the power of sport, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can take a, a kind of a 30,000 foot look at, at you and your career and, and your life in sports, and, and then you're going on to mentor other people, uh, maybe it's people who are listening in right now or, or in future, what advice do you have for them based on the fact that you didn't originally come through a traditional sports management process? What have you, what, what are the takeaways and advice you would give? Yeah. I, the, it's, I kind of give the same two all the time. They're, they're pretty simple for me. Um, I believe in mentors a hundred percent. So find a mentor, always have a mentor. Um, I've had so, so many great ones, uh, but I can't tell you how much I've taken away from them and, Sometimes those were in out, you know, they were in sport, even though I wasn't in that sport full time at that point. Um, and then the second one is, again, know, know what your mission is. Um, and again, my mission is, has grown and changed throughout and, and, and yours will as well if you continue to, to reinspect it. For me in the beginning, it was just to grow the sport then it became to grow people through the sport of soccer. And I'll tell you actually now in terms of being in professional sports, being in police athletic league and everything like that, it's, it's even now revised out from not just being about soccer. Soccer is my passion. Mm-hmm. It's just grow people through sport. Mm-hmm. So that's teaching inside the classroom at OU, whether that's also helping to grow coaching educations or opportunities for baseball and softball programs. I, I now don't always try, you know, old world 
tried to make everybody a soccer player. Instead, now I've, I've kind of backed off from that and said, know what your passion sport is or know what your – and I even – like when I talk with the schools, I, it's not even actually just about sports. It's about your passion. But what I talk about is that for most kids, the passion is not something within the textbooks. Actually, most of those kids who are in the textbooks and that's what they love, they're going to be all right. They're way smarter than most of us in fifth grade, right? Um, but it could be art. It could be dance. It could be music. It could – but all those other things will will grow through being focused inside what their passion is. And so it really is making sure we provide those opportunities uh, through that. Again, I don't get too I'm, I'm a pretty sportsy guy. So my mission statement hasn't been able to make it past those. <laughs> if somebody says, well, mine's dance, then I go, or, or is music, then I go, great, apply the same mantra to it. Uh, but don't ask me to kind of be the music guy because I'm not <laughs> saying either. Uh, well, Jason, thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to us this morning. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, maybe has a few questions, what's the best way for them to do that? You know, I, I'm I'm one of those guys who puts all of that out there, so uh, they can find my my Twitter pretty easily in, at j underscore Hawkins. Um, literally, if you look on the Energy FC website, my direct emails out there. I put my direct cell phone out there. Um, and, and I answer and, and I'm open at, at any time. I mean, I'm, I'm on every, every social channel there is from the, I'm actually probably the worst on LinkedIn uh, timing wise. Uh, but I mean, if somebody reaches through Facebook or Twitter or any of those, um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I'll, I'll reiterate that, yeah, get in touch with Jason. That's how I got in touch with you was through social media. And I appreciate your advice and expertise this morning. I appreciate you having me on, Tim. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, coming up tomorrow, don't forget Kyle Stevenson. He's Georgia State University's head coach for track and field. We'll talk to him a little bit about coaching in the college level and also coaching dis different disciplines, which can also be a challenge. So hope you join us at 11 for that. On behalf of myself, though, Tim Baggers, Jason Hawkins, thanks so much for watching.